Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. We're good. Welcome we back. We're back. Peak Speak. Peak Speak. Is it two Lots weeks in a row or every two weeks? I don't know. We're close. This is two weeks in a row. Fucking hell, look at us. Yeah. It's Assuming honest. that Sam continues to uphold the team and uploads this. Well, I mean, we all know he's the hardest working person in this trio, so... That's right. We miss you, Sam. I haven't seen yeah, Sam in ages. Shout out, Sam. Shout for out, Sam. holding together our useless brains in a way and that makes it cohesive for everyone else. Shout out, Prism, for also holding together our useless mm, brains. Got my delivery earlier this week. Nice. Bunch of fresh beans. Fresh beans. It's the do way you, to go. Do you keep a log of... Uh, what weights and grind size that you need for each bean or do you just tinker around every time you open a new bag currently no i have in the past uh in the past though i wasn't using equipment on the same scale that i am now so it's not it was like way more varied mm. uh but because i've got a pretty dialed in setup at the moment i just use a pretty standard dose i think i've got a 22 gram basket uh-huh. in my uh breville jewel boiler so i use about 22 grams then i bump it up or down depending on uh, how fast it pulls through and at what weight yeah uh but yeah i don't keep a complete log but um i come very close <laughs> yeah it's um and it's pretty consistent i mean i enjoy the tinkering side of it like that's yeah. i it's very ritualistic now especially with all the little like you know sterry tools and stuff like that i really enjoy that aspect of it um but interestingly, I actually was at a cafe yesterday that's near my house that uh, Jono, the owner of Prism, uh, they like wholesale to them, but also they, Jono was involved in their like recent renovations and like helped project manage a bunch of stuff and do that. And I walked in, I was like, oh, can I have a, like a taxi flat white with an extra shot? And this girl was like, oh, you should try like a taxi piccolo sometime. They're really good. And I had to resist the urge to be like, girl i have drunk more taxi beans than you could possibly imagine <laughs> i know more about this than you just <laughs> leave me be but instead i smiled and nodded because i'm a nice person i just had these internal thoughts of i'm better than you rage for a completely unjustified reason but you know there you are me Perfect. being superior to other people for no measurable reason i'm i'm proud of my coffee development i can tell when it's shit i don't i can't explain why it's shit like yeah, i can't yeah. explain why it's good i can't explain to you the different notes and but i can tell you that it tastes like shit or it tastes all right so yeah getting good yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do a little workshop when I'm up and there, uh, well the, nationals. the real test has been especially meg my beloved partner when she uh finishes the coffee now whereas in the past she'd be like thank you for the coffee and then half of the i have not drunk it yeah <laughs> yeah so now that it's getting finished, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I wanted something. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. You're making progress in the right direction. Speaking of which, if you oh. want to buy Prism Coffee, you should use our 
sponsorship code thing. What's it called? Peak speak. Yes. Is the code you need to use at Prism Coffee. Buy some good coffee. Drink it. Delicious. Maybe you too can be slightly less shit like Thomas. Change your life. Probably. Sorry to interrupt you for actually finishing the ad that we started four minutes ago. No, uh, you said be slightly less shit, and that's kind of prompted some rage in me. I, it, Perfect. It's, that's it's, just it's, what we need. I've always been kind of pissed off when people say don't be shit. Like, uh, you know, as a coaching thing, or oh, don't be shit. It's like, I'm just increasingly way more pissed off about it every time I see it. Excellent. Uh, it's like your literal job as the coach is to get this person to not be shit. Don't tell them to don't be shit. Teach them how to not be shit. It's like saying, don't fail that way. Pick a better way. You're the coach. Make it happen. <laughs> See, as a counterpoint, I quite like don't fuck it up. That's okay. That's about that's, execution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I've taught you how to do this. Don't fuck it up and you'll be okay. Don't be shit. I feel like it's a personal attack. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I've had to work very, that's like a coaching skill I've really had to work on consciously for a long time and I'm still always consciously working on uh, is like positive reinforcement and that side of things because I traditionally have always said I don't function well with positive reinforcement I do better when you tell me I suck at things and that was always like the coaching style I had hmm. uh, I've since recognized upon reflection that that's actually probably because I haven't had a lot of words of encouragement in my life <laughs> And I'm not very good at accepting them. Um, and But have been aware of that for a long time and worked actively to be more like that mm. so that it's more my default answer because I, for a long time, had a... Uh, do you know who Greg Everett is? No. Uh, American weightlifting coach. Uh, I think he was Matty Rogers' coach at one point, but maybe okay. not. Maybe I'm confusing people. Anyway, uh, he had this quote that I had posted on the wall in the original PTC slash Burley 1.0. Uh, that was words to the effect of like, if the set was good, I'll be silent. And if, if at the end of a set, I'm silent, it was either good or so shit, I can't bear to talk to you. And it's your job to figure out which. <laughs> um, and that was like my mantra for a long time, uh, which I, upon reflection was a pretty shitty way to do it. Uh, but it's, you know, something I've definitely worked on over the years. No, but it's, it's every coach does this, right? We we start coaching as if we're coaching ourselves and then we realize mm. that no one's like us. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually people like me are probably terrible at taking coaching advice and that's why they end up as coaches, not coachees, trainees, <laughs> athletes. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. I remember distinctly because I like being over the top, over exaggerated is, is just something I've always been like it's just part of my uh, sense of humor or demeanor or whatever yeah, yeah. and um, same as you like I've always operated on self negative reinforcement that's only yeah. just changed in the last couple of years uh, we had a deep and meaningful about it on a peak speak a little while ago anyway uh, I used to say things like you know someone's like oh I want to try sumo and I'd watch the sumo and be like never do that again and I, yeah. I don't actually mean that. It's just kind of saying, yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't absolutely. great. It could use a little bit of yeah. work. And I remember that people used to talk me talking like that in the gym and knew it was sarcastic and, you know, facetious and not real. But someone was having a particularly bad day and they were struggling with their squats. And I just happened to not see any of that. I just walked past one rep and I was like, that's the worst squat I've ever seen in my life. And this person broke down. I was like bawling their eyes out. <laughs> I'm like, this style 
is not always effective. No, and it's not always appropriate. Like there are definitely people in my current roster of clients that like either have known me for long enough or we have a good enough rapport that like that's the conversation we have. Like that was fucking pathetic. What are you doing? Like because it's the joke that they get and they're in on it and it's a like it's that thing, but it's one of those uh in jokes that doesn't work for everyone because mm. especially if you're someone who's like super or the, the athlete you're working with is someone who's super new to it and like a little bit intimidated by a place that looks maybe like our gyms do or with people that look maybe like us i can appreciate that like if you're a bit intimidated already hearing something like that can be really confronting and be like oh this is a personal attack and it's like no this is actually just my terrible sense of humor and mm. a lifetime of uh, negative reinforcement and no words of affirmation mm-hmm. uh, manifesting itself in a coaching style. I, I'd be curious to know how prominent that style of coaching still is in, in across all sports. Like I, yeah. I just, the first one that comes to me is something like gymnastics or something like more artistic where I can imagine a drill star- sergeant coach being like, no, 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 no. And just like being angry and being very not happy even when they get it right. It's just like, that was good kind of yeah. thing i wonder how much of that exists or uh how much of it has been you know replaced by more positive stuff either because research has shown that it's better that way i don't know if that's the case or not uh or sure it's it just is, but... you can't talk to people like that anymore <laughs> get away I mean, with it as easily yeah you would hope it you'd hope it's a bit of both yeah. um but yeah it's funny how you your coaching style evolves and like i I don't know that everyone gets to a point where they can self-reflect on something like this. Like I had this conversation with, uh, who was it? Someone the other day talking about like training and, and stuff like that. Uh, and talking about like maybe considering it as a career. Mm. And uh, like oh, I think it was my barber. We were talking about it. He's like, you know, into training, likes that sort of stuff. But we were talking about it as a career. And he's like, yeah, I thought about it at one point. And I said, you'd hate it. He's like, yeah, no, you're right. I had the same thought. I said, because you'll do what a lot of people do, which is be like, I like training. I've gotten okay at it and gotten decent results for myself. And like, this is the the path I maybe want to take. And then you quickly realize that what you know is only stuff that you know about yourself. And to get through that level, and I think we've talked about this as an idea in the past, Mm. like levels of of depth of knowledge of coaching experience that kind of stuff and to get through that initial barrier of like i really like training this is something i want to do you know in my case i'm into powerlifting everyone I ever comes to me gets a powerlifting program to evolve through that takes like serious self-reflection and work and like conscious effort and a, and a, i think a desire to continually improve your knowledge that not Maybe not everyone has or not everyone pursues or knows how to pursue or things like that. But you can still see it in the waves of people that come through social media. Mm. It's, I reckon, a little bit harder to see now because people are better at the messaging side. Like they're better at putting forth information that looks legit because they're good at Canva and shit like that on Instagram. Mm. Um, but being able to have been around long enough to see people evolve through that and, and have people that are still talking about things that like, you know, in my head, I stopped talking about as an idea five or 10 years ago because it's something I evolved through and it, I've moved past that point. But you still get all these questions because like you, like I said, people are just better at pushing messages that look legit because mm. Canva's easy to use. 
it's interesting like i in the coach development uh in, in the coach development course there's a, a section on online coaching and I ask everyone, you know, what are the differences between online and in-person coaching? And the differences are, are relatively obvious for the big ones. And then there's a lot of subtle differences that people don't think about. And I like I normally have the most to offer in terms of offering every difference that there is. And I rarely get anything new. And just in, in a recent group, a uh, uh, shout out to Jack in, uh, in Tasmania at Leviathan Strength. He brought up the, the really good point of you, it's it's much harder to hide in real life than social media. Like you people people can see through your bullshit in real life uh you can make a really elaborate post yeah, i mean you can just copy and paste an article off the internet if you're trying to have an intelligent conversation about training in in real life and you don't know your shit people can see straight through that and the accessibility to sharing information is so much easier because of social social media and it does maybe reduce the um, the pathway to learning, which is trial by fire, and you know our pathway of just like, okay, we got a gym now. People are in front of us. We got to figure out how to coach people. Uh, yeah, man. I distinctly remember the first time, like very vividly remember the first time I was coaching someone through like an initial session, and I like I still to this day that one of the first things I'll make you do is do some squats, mm. uh, and I said to this guy can you do a squat for me? He's like, I don't know what a squat is. And I was like, just had this fucking mind explosion of like, what do you mean you don't know what a squat is? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, oh, just like, you know, kind of bend your hips and knees, kind of squat down. And just like, I didn't have the words to explain what I needed because I'd never been faced with this solution before, right? Or this problem before. And in the end, I like gave him a seat and like, you know, we worked it out and we got there in the end and I worked my way through that. But that's an experience that you'll probably never have in an online coaching setting Mm. because it's very unlikely that someone with absolutely no knowledge like that is going to go to an online coach first. For sure. Almost all people like that are going to go somewhere with a person in the room. Mm. Like in my head, it's just better. And and like anytime I've been approached by people who have little to no experience and want to do the online thing, the first thing I say is like, where are you? And can I send you to someone who mm. I think is going to be helpful in this context? Because you just need someone in the room. Like it, it's just, it's quicker, it's easier. It's, I think, probably safer and a bunch of other things that just make it a better experience for that kind of person. And if you've never had that experience of someone in the room who just like has no fucking idea what you're trying to tell them to do, <laughs> you just you will have never worked through that problem in your head to then have the, the tools you need to be able to communicate effectively online, which is a different communication style, right? You have to be very clear about what you're saying because more often than not, it's happening on a delay. Like you're watching a video, giving a report, then they're going away and executing it. These are like several stages of delay. So you've got to be able to be really clear and effective. You can't change it rep to rep and things like that. Mm. And you can't adjust it on the fly. So I think that's where having had that in-person experience is always going to be the most valuable learning tool you can have regardless of whose coach development program you do or how many fucking certifications you end up attending until you've just like stood in a commercial gym and tried to help people Mm. it's just like a a totally different skill set man my my mind explosion moment was i remember distinctly he was the fourth member of the gym mike hamilton a kid back in the day training at, at the original gym 
and I was teaching him how to do squat bench deadlift and we're on bench press and I'm like lats are really important for bench you gotta you know it's all about lats and blah blah, blah. I just kept using the word lats and he's like how do lats help me bench and I was like oh fuck how do lats help you bench I, I know it's like a haven't you watched so you think you can bench they're just really important just fucking <laughs> listen obey oh, and i remember man, the, the i remember Dave on the Tate spot i was like and that's a great question and i'm like i think i need to learn more about this i like told him i'm not 100 sure now that you ask it and i'm like i'm pretty sure and then i got just all anatomical you let's come around and attach to the front <laughs> yeah, of your yeah, humerus just, i just started like- trying to find some hyper technical way it's just so funny reflecting back on that because now if you ask me what do you last do when you bench like, oh they contribute to stabilizing your spine that's about it yeah just contribute to a base to press from like i wouldn't i wouldn't say that much more than that but i was like fuck i don't know i don't know i don't know because I, I didn't have that understanding because i'd never be challenged i'd never thought about it i was just regurgitating what i heard what i read yeah and and that's where i think like again it's about developing a a communication style as well and like an understanding of these like relatively complex ideas that when you're new to it you try and explain in a complex fashion and actually i think the more experience you get the less complex your communication gets in most cases especially Mm. to that level of person like we can have a high level anatomical discussion about minute aspects of it but then if you can't explain that to a person who's never heard the word lats or whatever in their life and has no absolutely no concept of where their body is in space or what you're talking about to be able to synthesize that information into something like that is a skill that again i think is very hard to learn in an online only setting Mm -hmm. mostly I, i suspect it's because the the marketplace is different you are catering to a different audience which maybe contributes to uh people using these really technical terms and these complex ideas early uh, because perhaps they're like they're speaking to an audience that's maybe actually a little bit above them in terms of knowledge and Mm. so they feel like they need to justify their ability to stay in that realm yeah you know what scares me about the pathway of like i'm lifting i'm pretty good at this i want to evangelize i'm going to do online coaching and only going down the online coaching route what do these people do if they ever get sued? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm sure there are tons of like, I think of, you know, TikTok and Instagram famous kids that have got a ma- amassed a huge following and then sell programs and stuff. I bet they don't have any form of insurance. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah, dude, absolutely. But I know <laughs> people who like, who've been in the circles we've been in, who've owned gyms who don't have insurance. Oh, oh god like dude what the fuck that's terrifying <laughs> yeah man i'm terrified enough of like me just being an idiot and my gym having to close because i made a couple of bad decisions and suddenly it's on fire yeah like let alone the idea that some like litigious cunt is going to come in and take something i say completely out of context and then sue me for all i'm worth which, spoiler <laughs> alert is not very much <laughs> um but yeah that the idea of doing it without insurance is terrifying yeah yeah, yeah, and I think especially in the online space because it's it's so easy, like you say, to hide and and to be able to project this air of I know what I'm talking about because I'm really strong because it's that confirmation bias. I'm like this worked for me, so it's going to work for everyone. I think the and same that, for like gurus and uh, weird dietary advice and all that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. I'd love to I'd love to know how the back end of all of that works insurance wise. 
Yeah, well, I think it, like in Australia, we're probably a little bit more fortunate because it's just not as much a part of the culture as it is in mm. America. But um, um, yeah. coming back to what you said, though, you were talking about it, like way back at the start um, about, you know, finding that love and then wanting to coach, you know, your barber. Um, it's it's easy to understand why people get like that. You know, you have a, such a positive experience out of training. You, you feel so much stronger, not only in your body, but in your mind and your confidence and everything is just great when you start strength training. And you're like, I want to experience this. And it's hard not to be evangelistic about anything that you get passionate about Absolutely. very quickly. Like I, even like, you know, you'd, you'd be... You probably would share this experience in terms of getting getting a recent ADHD diagnosis. My adult diagnosis was a little bit earlier. Same thing with the the on the spectrum stuff. You you start to look for it in everyone. You're like, bro, I've been through this. You're going yeah. through this. I know someone you can talk to you. And most of the time, you're probably very wrong. You're just like, I've had this experience and it's yeah. really, really impacted me. And I want everyone to not have to experience what I experienced and just get there quicker. I'm, I'm feeling that way about a new YouTube channel I found. His name's Lil Curbs. And he just does these speed runs of like uh, uh, consumer made Mario levels. And it's unreal. And I just want to tell everyone like this YouTube channel is fantastic. Go God, watch you're it. such a loser sometimes. Ah, all the time. And proud. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, I love it. It's great. I mean, you're talking to the guy who's just signed up to fucking sit in his shed and ride a bike that goes <laughs> nowhere for hours at a time. How is that going? Uh, good so far. I've still got, like, this is week one. I've got uh, two 90-minute sessions to do tomorrow and Sunday that are, like, all hard intervals, which is going to be fucking unpleasant. Um, yeah, but, I, there was a photo or video on your story the other day where you didn't look super stoked. Yeah, that was at the end of like a pretty <laughs> sort of, not miserable, but just like an extended 60-minute session. And like it is, I forgot how mentally fucking draining sitting in one spot doing it is. Like I, mm. it takes way more mental effort to, to work hard and stay with it. And part of it is also I'm used to riding bikes that have like a freewheel, right? So you like you just Concussed. roll down that pit. Yeah, you just you don't do that on a trainer. The fucking program, the second you stop applying force to the pedals, it pauses the session. So like a couple of times I've had to like get off and piss and it just like the second you take it off, adjust myself on the seat a little bit. The second you pull pressure off the pedals, oh. it pauses the workout. So it's just, uh, they, you just, just have to keep that. going. Yeah. So what, how, when you, do you change gears? Like how do you? No. So the, um, it's a, cause it's a smart trainer. It's hooked to my, essentially Bluetooth to my computer. Uh, that's running trainer road is the platform I'm using, but you can use Zwift or there's a couple other things like that. Uh, and you put it in what's called erg mode, um, which means the computer controls it. So it controls the resistance and I'm pretty sure it's a magnetic flywheel. Um, and so you just sit in one gear and it controls the resistance based on your cadence. So there'll be periods where it's like, okay, this interval we're going to do like low cadence uh, you know it's like 60 rpm but it's going to be 150 watts which is like that's going to be fucking hurt because it's going to be slow and hard huh. and it'll slow you down to that and force you to ride at that cadence but then it adjusts the power base on that yeah interesting so you don't have to like there's no bike skill involved at all yeah. and that's the thing that makes it really effective as a training tool is like 
I don't have to ride the same hill four times and like each time roll back to the bottom or like, you know, yes. do laps of an area or whatever it is. Uh, it's super predictable like that. And that, so it becomes a very like data crunchy number driven sort of process. Yeah. Okay. And the, the programs that you then run, are they preset or do you design them? Yeah. So this one I'm just using, they have like a, a program creator, basically okay. like a lot of the, you know, the equivalent of the RP hypertrophy strength stuff and, you know, those sort of AI platforms. Yeah. Um, so I like did a, like you put your biometric data in, you select like low, high, low, medium or high volume. And I picked medium cause I like riding and I, I wanted to get a lot of volume in cause I'm going to ride a 24 hour race. Uh, then I did the ramp test. So it's just like 20 minutes where it gets every minute on the minute, it gets harder and harder and harder until you can't yeah. keep up. Um, then based on that, it adjusted the training like template essentially. Um, and then each session I've done so far, it's then made adjustments based on how I got through it and like what effort level it was and things like that. How many minutes did you last on the ramp test? I think it, it like in total it was like 16 or something. I scored worse than I thought I was going to score uh, and I, then I think I have in the past, but I suspect some of that at least was related to it, the pacing of it and like how you uh. like pace your efforts basically. Um, do do you think you went true 10 out of 10? Like did you go true failure? No, I think I probably could have gone further. Not by a lot though. I think I was mentally not ready to push as hard as I needed to because I'd forgotten to account for how fucking hard it is. <laughs> Because it just like in the last three minutes or something, it just gets fucking horrible. Yeah, like it, it's guess. hard, and then it just goes like this, yeah. like sucking air in and dying. So yeah, yeah, I've got like two ninety-minute interval sessions to do. When we finish actually recording, I'll show you the screenshots of what they look like, um, and yeah, show you what it what it actually looks like. But that's not at all related to the first half of this podcast. But that's how we roll here at Peak Speak. That's right. How long have we been going? like 25 minutes as far as i can tell damn we're killing it yeah well that's how we're all we're basically professionals at this point mm. i can't even remember what we said we were going to talk about we were going to talk about the idea of longevity and try not to sound like crusty old men shouting from roof rooftops mm -hmm. but then i, I think feel we, like what we did was spend 20 minutes talking about shouting from rooftops is crusty. no we definitely like inadvertently we're talking about all the stuff that has spoken to how we've lasted in this industry yeah. for so long yeah. which is you know again try trial by fire uh, just being th throwing ourselves in the deep end not even being thrown in the deep end it's yeah, throwing yeah. This ourselves was, this is all a choice i said yeah. yes at the points that i needed to say yes to dive in as opposed it, to be thrown into throwing ourselves in the deep end consistently learning consistently growing uh, the the thing that's been going through my mind a lot especially talking to up-and-coming coaches um in terms of like uh we'll call it what you will imposter syndrome or whatever it is uh it's kind of like a series of questions of do you think your coaching method is the best method and if the answer is no and you're not doing anything about it then what are you doing you're doing yourself yeah. and your clients a disservice yeah the answer is yes you don't have to feel cocky about that no like you can be confident in your method uh, and you should be using like a scientific approach, which is like, if you think you're onto something, try and prove it wrong. And anytime you can prove something wrong, then you've got justification to make a change. And if you can't prove it wrong, just keep doing what you're doing if it's working. Yeah. And that's going to look so different in the coaching realm because there are so many ways to achieve the underlying principles that drive progress. 
uh and so like if someone asked me is my method the best method out there i would say yes because it's the method that works the best for me and it might be vastly different to other people who say that their method is the best method out there and i'm consistently looking for ways as to like am i talking bullshit is this thing am i just making this up to play into my own narrative or my own method or whatever it is and along the way as long as i've kept doing that there tends to be small changes that come up and the more i do this the less and less changes and i know that it's getting more refined and better along the way you just have to keep doing that you have to yeah, be man. confident without being cocky yeah and it's a consistent approach over time right like i i literally had a, this conversation this morning where we were talking about uh i was talking to someone at the gym this morning about uh a book they were reading there peter atea book that was talking about longevity uh and like basically the advice is you know like don't get fat don't have diabetes like you know be kind of healthy that's sort of, it's like revolutionary advice so the problem is in the the fitness space especially the the secret that no one tells you is that actually like everything works uh we, if you do pretty much anything for a long enough time you'll get results uh and that's actually quite hard to sell because you've got to be able to be like well we could do it like that it'll probably work but like here's reasons why maybe this is a better option and like it becomes a very long drawn out conversation as opposed to this method is the best use this method uh and the thing about that approach consistently is that you've got to be able to recognize that oh maybe that thing that i'm looking at it's not just automatically bad because it doesn't fit into my understanding of how it works but like in a similar vein to trying to prove yourself wrong trying to prove other people right and ideas that contravene your point of view like proving them right or at least doing your best to empathize with how they got to that position mm. is another really powerful tool and to be able to do that constantly like i i actually think there's some benefit to having a bit of imposter syndrome self-doubt whatever mm -hmm. it is you want to call it because i think the second you are like yes i'm i know everything i could possibly know you're fucked like mm -hmm. you because you, you're then at a point where you're no longer evolving and you're on the de decline like you might be at the peak of your coaching career or your business development or whatever the case may be but i think the second you get to a point where you're like that's it i know enough let's just fucking burn this bitch down and and make all the cash we can you're fucked mm -hmm. um and i think it's the same with the the training space like yeah and again it leans into that idea of consistently trying to be better and trying to improve the conversation I've found myself having a couple of times recently uh, with both new and somewhat experienced people sort of coming out of, of lulls in training and thing like, things like that. But it was around the idea that like uh, I've been training now in some form for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that 20 years, I've had periods of like six to nine sessions a week. Like at the moment, I'm doing five sessions a week on the bike and two or three in the gym. Uh, and then in that 20 years, I've also had periods of like months at a time where I'd be lucky to string more than two or three sessions together over a couple of weeks. And I think still, if you averaged out every training session I've done, it'd probably work out to somewhere in the vicinity of like three sessions a week over 20 years. Hmm. And I'm by no means an exceptional athlete or even perhaps the best athlete I could have been, but I'm still here and I'm still doing it in a way that I'm still making progress in my mid thirties while a bunch of my friends who stopped doing it complain about how badly their bodies are broken down and how incapable they are of doing things. Mm. And I think regardless of whether you want to be a fucking amazing power lifter or just someone who kicks ass in their fifties and sixties, you need consistency over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. 
be it either in a coaching setting or in a I just want to train setting, mm. both require just consistently chipping away at improving what you're doing and, and having a better understanding of it that allows you to then continue doing it. There's so much to be said as well for that foundation of attributes that comes with that approach, that consistent approach. Like it, not only does it build a solid foundation to the point where it, we were talking about this last week, you know, on a weekly podcast like this, we talk every week. <laughs> we're talking about this last week in terms of like, you know, we, we I brought up the push-pull run and I was like, yeah, you could bench this if you wanted to. You could deadlift this if you, you've, because you've trained so consistently for so long, even if lifting hasn't been a priority for the last year, you can turn that back on so quickly because that yeah. foundation is there, not just in terms of a strength base and like what your what your muscles have created over that period of time, but this like your your mental state and your uh, that's just evident in your ability to go, you know what I'm going to commit to twenty four hour bike ride or that really long bike ride you did last year or the year before or this yeah. trail race or whatever it is, you can take that set of attributes of like. I'm willing to do the boring, monotonous work over and over and show up again and again and again, because that's what it takes to get the outcome that I want. It allows you to see things over such a greater time horizon rather than being like, oh, you know what? I'm interested in guitar now. I want to shred like this guy. Uh, how can I do that in six months? You're like, no, it's going to take boring, monotonous, repetitive work. And I know because I've got this evidence base of the last 20 years that I can do boring, monotonous work. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the, it's one of the many aspects of positive life lessons you can get out of a training for something. I, I don't think it has to be anything in particular, but it's been part of why I've always had a performance focus for what I do from a coaching standpoint. Like even I'm in the middle of a video series for our members about like adding cardio and building aerobic endurance and stuff like that. And one of the common questions I got out of like, what do you want to know about it was like, you know, what's better for fat loss, things like that. And to be honest, it's a question I'm just going to ostensibly avoid and be like, I actually think that's a bad question to ask because it's from my point of view as the coach I am and the coaching that I like to do that's the wrong way to approach it hmm. because it's more about okay well yeah we might be training for fat loss that might be the goal but i'm not picking cardio based on what is going to be best for exactly that goal we're building a complete training program that's about performance and being better at the things you like doing and then how we manipulate the the other variables then is about okay well hmm. where do we prioritize and, and what do we what does the overall structure look like and things like that um and I completely lost my point. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> There's always such like in inherent underlying emotional assumptions in question like questions like that. Yeah. Like it's the wrong question, like you were saying. And it's and it's hard because it's not coming from a place of like I want to ask a malicious or incorrect no, question. No, no, not at all. It's uh, it's the bad messaging that you've been exposed to yeah. that has given you this frame frame of reference that is like these are the best things for this outcome when actually the best thing for that outcome is to be really fucking good at a bunch of things and then eat a bit less than what you're doing normally. <laughs> yeah. You know? And like I I think even if your goal is fat loss, having a performance base in what you're trying to do in the gym setting in both a strength and a cardio position puts you like in a really good spot to be able to get the fat loss you want, but also give you tangible 
attainable goals to hunt towards that aren't going to give you body image issues like fucking numbers on a scale. (laughs) Although having said that, I went through a very serious uh, ego humbling experience looking at the number that came up after that fucking ramp test and then debating with myself about whether I was willing to post it publicly because I was so uh, embarrassed by it. What, um, what number? So, the 16 oh, like there So at the end of the RAM test, you get what's called an FTP, which is your functional threshold power, which is supposed to be measured in watts, a uh, representation of the max power you could hold for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine was like 162 watts, which when you weigh 120 kilos, works out at like 1.3 or 1.6 watts a, a kilo, which is fuck all. Like the Tour de France riders r- ride like a six and a half watts per kilo FTP. So it was just like, oh, that's worse than I thought it was. And it's it's this emotional attachment to numbers that don't actually fucking mean anything and are just a measure of where you're at right now and where you're going and things like that. But, you know, it's one that I've removed my attachment from in a gym setting. But in another setting where I'm, like, trying to actively be better, I still find I'm emotionally attached to. Hmm. Just change the units. Just like in powerlifting, just change it from kilos to pounds. (laughs) There's your validation. Yeah. I don't know what the other power the the other power units are if there are power units outside of watts. No, I think change, watts is change it to milliwatts. <laughs> yes, sixteen thousand sixteen hundred fucking. Yeah. That might work. It might Some, not though. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like we've rambled enough at this point in some odd directions, but that's what you get when you listen to, to white boys with opinions. That was fun. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye.